Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Could David have fought his own battle concerning Saul? He could have. Saul was a coward, David was brave. David's resume for war is deeper than Saul. Saul killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. So it seemed to me if David was going, if he had wanted to at any moment, he could have said, I'm, I'm, that's the last spear you chucking at me, bro. And he could have went ahead and did something, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't fight his own battle. He leaves it in God's hands. God says, this is, you put me here. You put him here and you put me here. And so I'm, I'm in your hands. Have you ever tried taking matters into your own hands instead of trusting in God? Maybe it was regarding a financial decision, a job, or a relationship that you felt God was taking too long to fulfill. How did that end up for you? In today's message, Pastor Bill teaches you to leave your battles to God. God promised David that he would be king, but he had to wait 15 years. David could have killed Saul before then, but he chose to trust in God's plan and timing. What do you need to trust God with today? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 19, as he continues his message, Faith Under Attack. Now, we know that with Saul, we're going to find out pretty soon that Saul's word don't mean nothing. Uh, Saul's going to make vows. Saul's, Saul's a guy that swear to God, I put that on my mama. I put that on my grandma's grave, you know, three times over, you know, and uh, it, it don't mean very much. But in this moment, you know, Saul was, I mean, Jonathan was able to get Saul to pause. And he said, you know, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. I'm not going to do it. Verse seven. Then Jonathan called David. And Jonathan told him these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as at times past. And I, I think Jonathan's heart was pure here. You guys, he, he said, David, you hide. I'm going to go over here and talk to my dad. OK, my dad agreed. Now I'm going to go get John David. I'm going to bring him to my dad. I promise you it's okay. I talk to him. Come with me. I'm going to be with you. He might have stood in between, make sure it wasn't no funny business. But he brought the whole thing together. He brought the reconciliation and he was a peacemaker. Amen. That was his intent. You know, he was trying to make things right on, on both ends. And it looked like he has succeeded at this moment. If you're a note taker, I want you to write down Matthew chapter five, verse nine. And uh, Matthew chapter five, verse nine, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Um, you, you won't find anywhere in your Bible where God says, blessed are the mess makers. Um, blessed are the division diggers. It, blessed are the peacemakers. And this is a word to us. That's what we want to do. When you see division happening, be a peacemaker. Because here it is. Division is bad for, it was bad for Saul. Saul, you getting ready to do something bad. And, and maybe it was going to be bad for David if he could succeed at doing it. So a peacemaker says, this is bad. I'm going to bring peace into this messed up situation. That's what God has many times called us to be. If you find, if you get aware, you become aware of something, you're in the middle of it. You know, then that's 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 where we want to operate as believers. Let me see if I can bring peace into this situation. Um, you know, somebody mad at somebody and, you, you know, let me see if I can bring them down a couple notches and help them to see this from another perspective or whatever. Um, we want to seek to be peacemaker. What you don't want to be is that friend that, that's like, for real? Yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. You know, you don't want to be the one stirring up the pot and throwing gas on the fire. Um, you want to be the person that's bringing them down, um, giving them scriptures. Get, getting getting the Lord involved in the situation. And so um, so again, Saul heeded Jonathan's words. 
um, they got brought back together and it says David was now in the presence of Saul as at time. Everything's back to normal for the moment. Thank you, Jonathan. All right. Now, verse eight, it says, and there was war uh, again. And I want you to note this. I, I underline my Bible this way. I want you to note what David's doing and what Saul's doing. Right. It says there was war again. And this is what David is doing. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow and they fled from him. Now, look at verse nine, what Saul's doing. Now, the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. This is what I want you to get the picture. David's active for God. There's war. David's at the war. When I'm back at the crib, I'm playing music for Saul. But David is serving God. everywhere he goes. He is serving. I'm at the house. I'm playing music, just worshiping the Lord for Saul. The war, I get my troops together. We're going out to fight. We're going to battle. I get the victory. I come on back. David's busy for God. Amen. This is important, you guys. This will keep you out of trouble. When you, you if you allow the Lord to fill your cup with the, this God, this is this is what God wants you to be busy with. Be busy with that stuff. Because what is Saul doing? Sitting down thinking with a spear in his hand. See, he having bad thoughts too. He just sitting there. It just, all it said is Saul sat, he was, Saul is sitting with a spear. David's going to war. David's playing worship. Saul sitting with a, with a spear sitting there. Just sitting there waiting for the devil to tell him what to do with this weapon that's in his hand, but he's not doing anything. I don't know how to impress this any harder, but I'm, I'm going to do my best. That God has called every believer to be actively doing something. We're all called to be participating in the work. No one's called to just be sitting around. That's how you get in trouble. Just sitting around doing nothing when God's called you to do something. There's a war going on over there. Saul didn't, he didn't go to the war. He could have went. He didn't go to the war. David, I got it. I'll go do the war. Uh, He comes back to the house and and I, I would think, David, I'm tired. I've been at the war all day. I'm gonna relax. But he's like, man, I'm going to worship the Lord for the victory that we just had. He's just busy doing, and it seems like joyfully, willingly doing what the Lord has called him to do. David doesn't seem burdened. He doesn't seem overwhelmed. David's life looks blessed. And you know what it is? It's fruitful. His life is fruitful. You can look back week in and week out from his life and just see that God was using him. God did that through him, and God did this through him, and God did this. And I'm looking at Saul, and all I can see is he's just sitting around making messes. I mean, that's the, the track record the last four weeks. Saul just waiting around, just making messes, sitting around, not doing what he should do, doing what he shouldn't do, sitting when he should be standing, standing when he should be sitting, chucking spears at the wrong people. Wouldn't chuck a spear at the Amalekites. Now he's chucking spears at David. Um, his life is just all backwards. And so I just saw that contrast here where David went out. He fought. The Philistines struck him with a mighty blow and they fled from before him. I got to point this out. We'll see as we continue to do the life of David. It's because the Lord was with David. How come David has such great victory in battle? Because the Lord was with him. Right? That was always going to be the, 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 the victory was going to be that the Lord was with him. We're going to see something at the end of this chapter that is hilarious. Um, and I just want you to know that when you when you're with the Lord, that's you got everything you need. You don't got to be tough. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to be conniving. You don't have to be. All you need to be is with the Lord. That's everything you need right there. It's so simple that God's like, look, if you'll just be with me, I got everything covered. Because you don't know it all, but I know it all. 
right? You can't do it all, but I can do it all. So all I got to do, I just got to be in, I'm going to be in daddy's hands. Amen. I'm going to walk in obedience. I'm going to stay close to him. I'm going to let him fight my battles. Could David have fought his own battle concerning Saul? He could have. Saul was a coward. David was brave. David's resume for war is deeper than Saul. Saul killed his thousands. David his tens of thousands. So it seemed to me if David was going, if he had wanted to at any moment, he could have said, I'm, I'm, that's the last spear you chuck it at me, bro. And he could have went ahead and did something, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't fight his own battle. He leaves it in God's hands. God says, this is, you put me here. You put him here and you put me here. And so I'm, I'm in your hands. I'm going to let you deal with this. Um, and I, I'll tell you guys this. I struggle at times with wanting to fight my own battles. And I've had to learn that when I, when I, if I succeed in fighting my own battles, then I fail ultimately. And God will let you. God will go, you go, go ahead and go ahead and fight your own battle, tough guy. And then you, then you got to repent of what you did to fight your battle, kind of words you used when you fought your battle and, and all kind of stuff you did and said and everything else. But if you just lay back, let the Lord fight. I have, I, have, I have watched God fight battles for me in the past, and it's been hilarious when I look back and think, when I didn't do anything and I look back at what God did, it blows me away. And God's like, if you just, if you just stand back, I'll take care of it. You know, the Bible says in Romans, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. And so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. That's not to burn him. Um, but God says, look, I, I'll take care of, you know, if, if vengeance is necessary, I'll take care of it, not you. And so moving on now, it says, again, David went out. Uh, he struck the Philistines. Uh, verse nine. Remember, this distressing spirit from the Lord would come upon Saul as he sat in the house with a spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. And again, I get the, that's the contrast. What's in Saul's hand? A spear. What's in David's hand? Worship. A heart. Whatever he, he's worshiping the Lord with the strings. Giving it up. Verse 10. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear. But he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Now, this has happened multiple times. And this time David escaped. He's not going to be coming back. Um, you know, David, I think at this point, David said that, that that's a that's a, that's a, that I'm not coming. You know, I'm not, I don't feel safe here anymore. You know, um, it's going to be it's going to be some close to 20 years before. Everything comes to pass. And I want you to know this. This is a difficult thing when I think about David to have been anointed king, to know that God has called you to be the king and to be in the you're in the palace. But this other guy is still here. And Scott, how long is it going to be before I finally get to be the king? It was a long it was a lot of years. Anybody struggling with waiting on the Lord? Just stop struggling with it. Just it, just embrace it. Um, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I, God, all, it always, anything I've ever wanted from God, God was like, I want you to wait for it. Can I tell you why I think he does that? I, this is in my, my, is my is opinion. I'm not saying this is the Bible, but in my opinion, when we're waiting on God, God has our attention in a very intense way. We're focused. We want something from him. your devotions may be on point. I need to hear from you, God. There may be a desperation in prayer that's lacking normally. There may be a faithfulness and a, a, a sanctified living that's in a greater degree because, God, I'm looking for you. And God's like, I like this version of you. I'm on. 
we are, we wait a little longer for this, man. Hey, I, I like this, you know. Like I enjoy, I'm enjoying. I mean, you just with me every day, devote, faithful. You ain't missed a day. Um, and for some of us, that God's like, man, I, I gotta, I gotta use this for what it's worth. This is the only time I got your undivided attention. Because as soon as it's done, for some of us, then everything starts slipping by the wayside, and and I, oh, I, I couldn't make, I didn't have time. Ooh, careful with that. Um, so I think I personally think sometimes maybe that's why God. He just said, you're going to wait. I, I, like, I like what happens in the waiting. I like how I, I got all your devotion and attention. Um, that's just a, that's a thought. I, I know in my life that's been the case. Uh, I can look back to times where I was waiting and, um, man, I, that's a holy version. of, of, of uh, Everything is just a little bit better and tuned in a little tighter. And I wonder if God's like, I'm, I'm going to just, I like this. this we'll, we'll keep it here. I wonder if we can get ourselves there when we're not intently looking for something. Um, if we can get ourselves there just for his sake, just because of what we already have in him. God, you have my undivided focus and attention. Not because I need something right now, but maybe I'm looking back at what you've already done. Maybe I'm just happy to be with you. I, I wonder if we can get ourselves into that kind of place of devotion and worship and intimacy with when we're not looking for something. But many times, uh, it is when we're waiting on the Lord and we're seeking him and we're praying for things that, that God has our undivided, he has his attention in a greater way than normal. That's a thought, you know, uh, you can take that for what it's worth. Those, those are Bill's thoughts. Not, I'm not, I'm not, that's not a doctrine. I'm not saying it's, that's the Bible, but um, if it's true for you, uh, then you know. All right. So move on, moving on. It said, um, David slipped away and escaped that night. Verse 11. Saul also sent messengers to David's uh, house to watch him and kill him in the morning. And uh, now we said her name was Macau. I like Michelle. Um, or whatever. I'm going to call her Michelle. Y'all know who I'm talking about. This is, the, this is the second daughter of Saul. This is the daughter that Saul said, I'm going to give her to him. Because, you know, thinking Saul said his own, his own thoughts were that she may be a hindrance to him. We don't know why, what he knew about her. We, we do learn a little bit more today about her. But Saul thought that she would be a hindrance to David. That's why he gave her to David. Um, so Michelle, David's wife, told him, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So she's looking out for David. She says, hey, my dad is coming to kill you. If you don't do something tonight, he's going to kill you tomorrow. So she gives him a heads up. So uh, Michelle let David down through a window and he went and fled and escaped. So she lets him down through a window. So she cares about David, you know, and she gets him out of there. She doesn't want her dad to kill him for nothing. And so she gets him out of there, lets him down through a window. Now, verse 13 says that um, and Michelle took an image. Now, this image is one of those household images, these idol images that they would have. And she had this in her place. Um, same one that uh, Rachel sat on um, when she left her dad's house. And so um, she had this image there um, and she put it in the bed and covered it with goat's hair uh, for hair. So she basically takes this household image and props it up in the bed like it's David. Get some goat hair and uh, she's going to pretend like David is sick in the bed. So um, so she, she's, you know, she's creating a little deception here. But I do want to say, what is she doing with this household image? in the house and why is that here and it it would at least let us know that maybe her relationship with the Lord was not you know where it needed to be that that she would have this going on um maybe perhaps that's what it was 
that Saul knew that she's going to be a hindrance to him. Uh, we're also going to see that she's a fantastic liar. Now, now here's the thing about lies, because I, I want to say this. She's going to be doing a good thing. And in the midst of her good thing, she lies. Kind of like Rahab. Right. Rahab was doing a good thing, hiding the spies from the, the guys that would kill them if they found them. And in their in, in the in the midst of hiding the spies, she lied. In that case, was it OK to lie? Question for everybody. In that instance, because she was lying to do a good thing. Is that a good? Is that a OK? How many guys say yes? Raise your hands. All right. How many guys say no? Raise your hands. All right. This is so important. It's an important lesson. I want y'all to get this right. If God says in his word, thou shall not lie. And he doesn't give any abbreviation. He doesn't say thou shall not lie unless. Because right. this, this, God said don't commit adultery. Right. But what if I'm on an island and there's nobody else left? I got I, 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 I was in a plane crash. Everybody died. But said, me and this other girl, I'm never going to make it back to my family. And it's just us here. Thou shall not commit. It, is that, it, that's an extreme case. But would that be OK? OK. Same thing. Right. Uh, you you there's there's people will argue for this. There's no such instance in Scripture. Lie is a lie. Proverbs, tons of words. Lying lips are an abomination to God. You know, um, yeah, period that thou shall not lie. So so here's the thing, though Rahab did that. Some people would say, well, she made it to the Hall of Faith. She made it to the Hall of Faith because her having never seen the God of Israel heard what he did. And when they showed up, she said, based on what she had heard, she believed her faith got her into the hall. Not, not her action of lying. Because I told somebody else that we had this. We debated this. I said, so so we could be a harlot, too? Well, because, you know, we're going to carry everything else that she was doing. You know what I'm saying? Because she also was a harlot. Keep that in mind. So it was her faith that we were celebrating over in Hebrews. So I point that out because of this situation here. M Michelle, right? She's doing a good thing. I'm, my dad is going crazy, trying to kill David without cause. I'm going to get him out of here. But in the midst of it all, she's going to lie two times and she got household idols. So um, I just want to be clear that though she's doing a good thing, she's while she lies in the midst of it, 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 it doesn't make it OK for believers to lie. Um, and we want to be careful. Some people, will, what if it's a lie to save a life? We actually had in a Bible college. We had to debate this. There was actually a, a, a there was, a, a, was one of our teachers in the Bible college that was teaching a he had an argument called for the greater good. The challenge with the argument for the greater good is it's not founded in Scripture. It what it has is tons of really uh, intense reasons. What if someone came to your front door, Bill? And they had guns and, and knives. There was 10 of them. And they said, is there anybody, if, if your wife and kids are here, we're going to kill them. Are they here? What are you going to say? I said, now the temptation to lie would be great. But I cannot make it okay with God. In that, I can't say it would be okay to lie in that instance. In that instance, I would be at the mercy of God. You know, God, if, if you're going to protect us, you're going to protect us. But I don't have to lie to help God do anything. Uh, so remember that, right? So it, there may seem like instances where... But if you can make lying okay, you can make murder okay, you can make adultery okay, and you can't make any of that okay with God who said, thou shalt not. Amen? All right, I just want to give us that. So let's move on. So now, uh, verse 14, this is the lie. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. Is he sick? He's not sick. He's gone. She didn't let him out the window. Um, so that's a lie. She told him that lie to hold him off. <laughs> verse 15, then Saul sent messengers back 
to see David saying, bring him to me in the bed that I may kill him. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> he said, they said, David is sick and he's in the bed sick. They bring his bed over here to me that we can kill him in the bed. I just want you to hear that this man is going crazy. Bring me, bring him in his hospital bed, bring, roll his gurney over here so we can poke him to death or whatever. You know, that's what Saul is ready to do. Verse 16, and when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed uh, with a cover of goat's hair for, for his head. Then when Saul said to Michelle, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? Lie number two. And Michelle answered and said, he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? That's a lie. So now she got, you know, she said, they threatened to kill me. He said, if he said, if you don't let me go, I'll kill you, girl. And, uh, and so she's like, I fear for my life. I, I, you know, I did, I did it. So she lied both ways. Um, I, I just point this out because this, this, that's her character. That's who she is. And even though she was doing a good thing, this is not good character. Amen? Okay. Not godly character. So, uh, and this is an important, I think, for all believers to know. We can never help God out by sinning. So it, it may appear like, God, it looks like I can help you out by, you'll never have to sin against God to get something God's going to give you. If God's going to save your life, he's going to save your life while you tell the truth. Right? If God's going to give you a pass, if God's going to have mercy on you, he's going to do it while you tell the truth. Um, I had a situation today where God showed me uh, extreme mercy. Some of y'all know I'm not the best driver. Right. Uh, some of y'all don't know. If you don't know, you know now. And when I say not the best driver, I'm a good driver. I'm, I'm not good at keeping all the rules of driving. So I, I had drove out to I had to do something this morning in Orange County and I'm, I'm in I'm coming back. I'm in my daughter's car. That was, you know, I'm, I'm giving excuses like, you know, but anyway, I'm in my daughter's car and I, I made a mistake and got off the freeway at the wrong place. And I'm like, oh, man. And then I was trying to get back on the freeway and they're, you know, they're doing construction. So the stuff is not where it's supposed to be. So I passed up my on-ramp and I said, oh, the only way to get back to the freeway uh, quickly was to make an illegal U-turn and, and really tick off a bunch of drivers and, and then get back going. And so I said, ah, and I did it. I did it. God saw me. I did it. I did it. And, uh, and as soon as I rolled onto the freeway, I heard, woo, woo, and I was, I did. I thought, oh, man. And uh, so the highway patrol, he got, and I know I, I earned it. Whatever is coming, I know this is not, <laughs> this ain't racial profiling. This, this is all my fault, you know. And so the guy pulls up and he said, uh, <laughs> I can't put his words exactly, but he, he said, um, was that the best, was that the wisest maneuver? And uh, I knew not to say nothing sassy. I said, no, sir. No, no, sir. No, sir. It wasn't, you know, I just, I just, I just humbled myself. I said, no, I, I got no recourse. I said, no, no, I shouldn't have, no. And he said, and, and, and you know, you, you turned, you know, if you miss your on-ramp, man, you just go and come back. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then he, he left. He let me go with a warning. Oh, yeah. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ten points for the good cops, right? So, but here's the thing, right? It would have been dumb for me to say, What? We bother, you know, if I, you know, argue back or, or giving him a, if I told one lie, I think that would have went all the way different. You know, it's like, it's just, look, I, I, I know what I did. A hundred percent wrong here. So my, my point is this, there, there's, when it comes to, uh, you know, rather or not, we're going to be honest about things. If, if God's going to get me out of something, I don't have to lie to help him out. 
I'm wrong. I'm 100% wrong. If I'm getting out of it, I'm getting out of it telling the truth. But I'm not going to lie and then see if if that's going to help God. God, if you're going to be merciful, you're going to be merciful while I tell the truth. If I'm going to get the ticket I deserve while telling the truth, I'm going to get the ticket I deserve and I'm going to have to do better next time, you know. But we need to be a people that tell the truth. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.